0: everyone. Hope everybody's doing well this morning. We finish up our last message of this particular series and prepare for next week's first message of the next series. That's the way it works out. Uh, we're going to be Acts chapter 9 this morning talking uh, about one more character, one more person uh, throughout the history of the church, throughout the history of the Bible, uh, looking at how, how can we... As the church continue to go into the world, which is full of opinions, full of ideas, full of thoughts, some similar, some not so similar. How do we remain true to what we believe in the middle of it all? And really quickly, we, t- we talked about Jonah, uh, we talked about Ezekiel, and we talked about Paul. Uh, pointing out that the gospel has got to be for everybody in our witness we can't pick and choose based on who we like and who we don't like who's like us or who's not like us and we learn from Ezekiel that obedience is absolutely necessary when the Lord leads and guides we need to uh, go into the world and make disciple whether people listen or not so some some valuable things to learn there. However, none of them easy. Last week, we talked about how Paul went in for, uh, to the Greeks and uh, taught them about the gospel in a way that uh, engaged their attention by talking about what they already knew, what they already believed, and presenting God to them in a way that was acceptable, at least in hearing it from them. Once again, uh, obedience is a key factor in that, Right? And if you look at all three of those characters, really, obedience is the the big word, isn't it? Every, Every situation that we looked at, obedience was what was being looked at as far as do these people want to be involved in what God is doing? Jonah, Ezekiel, and even Paul had choices to make. Obviously, Jonah being the one who said, no, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. And tried to escape and then finally relented and reluctantly obeyed and missed out on the whole thing. And the other two, of course, were eagerly obedient and experienced the blessing of being a part of what God is doing in the lives of others. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Isn't that what we want to be about as believers? Because, of course, we know that uh, we're saved by faith. We know that we are Uh, saved because we believe that Jesus is the Christ and we have accepted the fact that the the assignment is to go into the world and make disciples. And we talked about this a little bit in our Sunday morning Bible study when we studied uh, James chapter two, when we talked about faith and deeds, that we need to want to go and make disciples because we care about those who are lost in their sin, not just because Jesus told us to. Right? Our obedience needs to be a result of, of our faith when it comes to making disciples. Today we're going to talk about a man named Ananias. There there are three different Ananiases that we know about in the Scripture. There was one uh, man who was married to a lady named Sapphira. And that Ananias tragically led his wife into lying about their activities for God, selfishly lying about it, And then when questioned about it, continued in the lie to where God struck him down. Let's not be that, Ananias. The second Ananias was one of the high priests when Paul was, I think it's chapter 22 of Acts, Paul was actually teaching and preaching about Jesus and on trial for those things. And he was saying that Jesus is the Christ. And he was saying that Jesus resurrected from the dead. And this Ananias, this high priest, said, punch that man in the mouth for saying that. See, the the high priest back in those days, they're not going to punch you in the mouth because they're above that. So they'll instruct somebody else to do it for them. That's what they did to Jesus, right? Let's not be that, Ananias. Let's talk about chapter 9, this Ananias we find here. All right, let's read in verse uh, 10 and go from there. In Damascus, there, there, there was a, uh, a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. <laughs> this is scripture here, y'all. <laughs> so it's pretty simple right there. When the Lord called, he called him by name and notice the exclamation point. Let me, let me not get too far ahead. Uh, Saul had been running around the world killing Christians, right? And he figured out that the way, the church, as they called it the way back then, was reaching out beyond where he was. So he got permission to go to Damascus and continue his pursuit of getting rid of these these believers in Jesus as the resurrected Messiah because it was offending what he believed was right in, in regards to God, right, and the Jewish way on the way to damascus he met who you can give the church answer there he met jesus right and not just met him coming passing and going in the hallway jesus knocked him off of his horse and got his attention in a the most real way that any person can get their attention got you want to use bad grammar I wonder have we met Jesus in that way side note today I wonder I wonder when we were when we first met Jesus for the first time I don't mean heard about I mean actually realized that he is the Christ and that we have sinned against a holy God and we were cut to the heart I wonder if it was described would it sound the way Saul met Jesus Maybe, maybe not. And it doesn't matter if it is or not. But there, there has to be a life-changing event when people meet Jesus. So basically what happened was is Jesus told Paul to, to pick himself up and go into Damascus and find Ananias. And Ananias would help him. So that's what he did. And that's why God is now uh, calling on Ananias in Verse 10. And he says, Ananias, and look what his answer was. Look at his answer. Yes, Lord. That's what Ananias said to God when God said Ananias. wonder if God called your name out loud. What would you say? Don't answer that out loud. Just think about it. We want to say we would be right there with Ananias, right? We want to say we would be the ones who stand up and say, here I am. What would you like for me to do for you? Verse eleven says, Then he told then the Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on straight street and ask for a man named Tarsus, uh, uh, excuse me, man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and, and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So here's the instructions. What do you do? I mean, the church answer is, well, you get up and you go do what God said. However, the everyday life answer for the Christian is, we him haw around, we argue with God, we say, well, I don't know if I really want to do this. Is that really God? And we start making up excuses and we start trying to talk our way out of it. Not every time, but sometimes we do that. Look what, look what he said in verse 13. <laughs> 13 and 14, he says, Lord... Ananias answers, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Now, how many of y'all believe that God did not know that before Ananias told him? (laughs) So what is is Ananias doing here? There's a little bit of Jonah creeping up in the heart of Ananias, maybe. Because that's a, a, a natural reaction To doing something that seems like something you really wouldn't do. Now, let's do this. Let's picture who you believe is probably the most dangerous, maybe the most wicked person in this world. And let's just say that God called your name tonight and told you to go wherever that person is and pray for them. Lay your hands on them and pray for them. And you knew it was God. It was obvious. How would you feel? Do you think that maybe you would say, but Lord, you know know what this guy's up to. or You know what this person does. Verse 15 says, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. This there's an exclamation point in my Bible, in my translation. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings. And before the people of Israel, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. i want to tell you about ananias in in chapter 22 of verse in verse 12 of acts paul is retelling this same story again his, this is his testimony of how he came to know christ and how he went from being a persecutor of the believers to a believer not only a believer but a preacher of the gospel he keeps telling this testimony as much as he Hates to tell it because it pains him to relive what he used to do, how he was. But at the same time, joy overwhelms him because this Jesus even forgives him. That's what your testimony is supposed to do for you. It's supposed to be this, I hate my testimony, but I love it. Because of who I was and now who I am. So. So he says, he says to Ananias, God says, well, look, you just need to go over there and do what I ask you to do because this is my plan. And see, God is always uh, patient with us. He's patient with us enough to where we can ask questions. We can ask him for clarification. Are you talking about that Saul? Or is there some other Saul? Because the Saul that you, I think you're talking about probably going to kill me. For believing that your son is the Christ. But he said, Go, this is what I'm doing. Look at verse seventeen. He says, Then He says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me to you sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Isn't that awesome? So many times, we don't ever get to this moment in our witness. So many times, we miss out on this moment in our witness. Notice, how do you imagine? Because imagine uh, putting yourself in the shoes of Ananias, right? He's definitely knows who Saul is or was he, he definitely knows the dangers in being in the presence of this man who was coming to Damascus for the sole purpose to persecute him and treat him poorly if not kill him and others like him yet he walks it says Ananias went to the house and he entered it period Now, this could have went a whole bunch of different ways. It doesn't say how exactly it went, but we can imagine, can't we? In the end, it doesn't matter how you imagine it, because it happened. But he could have either just went like, you know, kind of barely knocking on the door. Oh, he's not home, see ya. (laughs) Because he's afraid, right? But no, it just says he went in the house. He did whatever, he just went up to the house. Whatever happened, he walked in the house and went straight up to Saul. And what did he say? Brother Saul, this is how I know that Ananias believed what God said about Saul. Here's how I know that Ananias trusted God when God said, I have a plan for Saul, and I'm going to make this happen. You just need to go and do what I'm sending you to do. Now, here's the thing. If Ananias said, I don't want to, The same thing that happened to Jonah could have happened or God could have said, "Okay," and went and got someone else to do it. And Saul still would have gotten saved and uh, cured of his blindness and baptized and went on to be the missionary that he was. And God didn't need Ananias to do this. He called Ananias to do it. And out of his obedience, Ananias got to be a part of one of the greatest things that we can read about in the Bible because it shows us who God is. Isn't that great? And he said he walked up to Saul, the, per- the persecutor of the Christians. He puts his hands on him and says, Brother Saul. Ananias had already accepted him into the family because God said he was in the family. It's not a wait, let's wait and see if what God's going to do really happens kind of situation. He went down to the house and put his, he did what God said to do. He placed his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul, he said, The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me. And that's proof to Saul that this is the right Ananias. Because remember back in a few verses before, it, was, it says that, that he was, he, Saul was in there praying now, some people, some people immediately, instantly start thinking, wow, he's already, he's already got this prayer life going. <laughs> he just met Jesus. He's already got this. No, he prayed his whole life. He was one of the religious leaders, well educated on the ways of the Jewish life. They prayed three times a day and some other times. The same prayers. They knew how to talk to God. But this is the first time. That he talked to God after he met Jesus as Lord and he was in need of another believer to come and usher him into the body of Christ and walk with him and show him what it means to be a Christian you see where we're going here too many times way too many times we, 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 we go out into the world and we preach the gospel in whichever way that happens and we finally get someone to say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ and they come up here and we baptize them and we all celebrate and sing uh, victory in Jesus and then they're just standing there not knowing what to do, not knowing where to go, not knowing how it works. Nobody's discipling them. Nobody's taking them under their wing and saying, follow us as we follow Christ. nobody. Everybody's just celebrating the baptism. Well, the baptism doesn't mean anything if there's no salvation. And God's calling us not only to go preach the gospel, but also to follow up with each other. It doesn't matter if you've been saved for 50 years. If no one's following up with you, that's bad. If no one's checking on you and seeing how you're doing and how your relationship with the Lord is, that's bad. Right? It's not about bringing people in here just for the sake of being baptized and filling up the church. It's about making disciples. Making disciples means let's gather together and study Jesus. And let him make us who he wants us to be. And let's do that for the rest of our lives as we have it in this world. And let's do it together. Isn't that great? It wasn't even just this morning. 7.30 this morning, I'm I'm texting between me and another preacher, and we're checking on each other. How y'all doing? Everything okay? How are you and God? You want to know what he said to me? He said, I'm checking on you because you've got some great things going on over there. And you seem to be in a great place in ministry because your people are excited about the Lord. And there's plenty of people to witness to. And that's when Satan's going to come after you. That's why I'm checking on you. It's follow up. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? Because not only does he care about me, not only did I, do I know that God is sending people to care about me, but I also know that God is sending a reminder to me to don't get comfortable. <laughs> don't, don't think that everything is, that Satan can't come in and destroy stuff in your own heart or in your church or in your witness and so on. Isn't that great? And that's what Ananias did with, with Paul. He, he became Paul. And Ananias walks in and says, yeah, yeah, everything you just experienced is real. Everything you just experienced is genuine. The Jesus you just met, I met him too. We're brothers that way. Because when somebody first comes to Christ and they commit themselves to Christ, they've repented of their sins, they decide to get baptized, you can guarantee that Satan and everything he has is going to try to discourage them from that. And tell them it's not real. It didn't mean anything. All those people are just playing games. They're fooling themselves. And that's a lie. But if nobody comes along and says, yeah, I met that Jesus too. I can't, you ought to hear when I got saved. And then invite them to go into a walk, a journey through the Bible, through the Christian life. Invite them to go out and make disciples together. Teach them how to make disciples. Teach them how to lay hands on somebody else right? Because that's what Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples. And that was after you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that happens after you're obedient to your faith. And that happens after you respond to hearing the gospel. You see, see it's a journey. And you keep going. And you keep on and keep on. There's no end to disciple making. Right? It's no, you don't look at people and say, okay, I made a disciple out of that one. Moving on to another person. I made a disciple out of that one. Move on to another one. No. Ananias was assigned to Paul. If you read on, it says Paul stayed there for a while. Some, some speculate it was about three years. Because, you know, in, initially when I first started reading the gospel and I started growing as a Christian, I, st- I, was, reading, I was reading this account and I'm like, how does, how does somebody meet Jesus Right? Somebody who, especially somebody who's who's killing Christians, meet Jesus, get saved, and everybody celebrates, and they accept him into the brotherhood of believers, into the church, and then give him the microphone to go preach. It could happen. God can do anything in any which way, couldn't he? But it doesn't make sense. But it says he stayed there for a while. Verse twenty three says that many days had gone by. Right? so he learned he sat around he talked they prayed they celebrated they 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 listened to each other and they got used to what god was doing so that god could use it i can tell you this however you met jesus whatever testimony that is whatever that looks like that's a powerful message for somebody but if we're not paying attention to god when he's calling our names maybe not literally, maybe not out loud, but in our in our heart, in our mind, when he says, go hug this person, go help this person, go do something for this person, go love this person in a certain way, share the gospel with this person, pray for this person, whatever the spirit is leading us to do, if we don't say yes, Lord, we will miss out. We will not be making disciples. And as those people respond, we need to continue to follow up. And it's a team effort. Somebody here can be following up on something someone else here started in someone's life. Because the, pe- the person that was checking up on me today had a little bit to do with my salvation. But it wasn't the one who came and sat down in front of me and said, Okay, here's the gospel and you need to hear it because you don't understand It was a whole different person that did that right so we follow up on believers on each other it doesn't matter how it started that's why that's why Paul and Peter and John and Luke were constantly writing letters to one another throughout the churches because he's if you notice if you read if you study the letters that Paul wrote to the churches he's like hey love y'all y'all are awesome Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. And by the way, I heard that this was going on. Y'all need to cut that out. Right? That's follow up, that's discipling each other. It's not about calling people to be disciples, it's about discipling one another. So let me finish up with this right here. There are four characters that we studied. Ask yourself, which one are you the most like? Are we Jonah? Are we going to run away from God every time he asks us to do something because it's not comfortable? Or we don't like it? Or we don't like the people he's calling us to do something with? Right? I don't know how many churches are located in in the place wherever it is they're located, but they don't ever reach out to the people that live in their neighborhood. Because they're different than them. And then they wonder why nobody wants to come to their church. Right? Right? And then, or we can be like uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel was challenged to preach the gospel to his own in a harsh way. Stubborn people, right? And I don't know how many preachers feel like Ezekiel sometimes. I don't, because you guys are awesome. But sometimes, Ezekiel, you know, sometimes preachers stand up and they'll preach. They might as well just be preaching to the wall. Because the people will not surrender to God. Right? We can be like Ezekiel because there are people in the world that won't listen. But God says to go anyway. Or we can be like Paul. Find ways to get the gospel in our conversations. Find ways to use what people know and what people do and share life with them in a way where we can insert the truth into their life in a way that maybe they can think about it. Have an opportunity to surrender to it. Or we can be like Ananias. Ananias just trusted God. You know, in, in Acts chapter 12, 22, verse 12, it says he was a devout observer of the law. That's what Paul described him as. And highly respected by all the Jews living there. Do you see why God sent him there? All of the Jews in that area respected this man, Ananias. Because, not because he was somebody, some famous person. But because he was devout and knew God's word and had a relationship with God, everybody respected him because of his character. So, of course, God would use that person to go and and, and disciple Saul, the Christian killer. Because everybody else is going to say, well, Ananias is, you know, talk to God about it so we can trust that. Right? If Saul just walked up and said, I'm a believer now, you can bet that none of them are going to believe him. This is why people need to be ushered in, because what if the guy that's downtown, uh, that, that, that's, that's homeless, that everybody thinks is not homeless, but they're just stealing money. What if he shows up and, he, and meets Jesus? What if he genuinely gets his heart turned around? What if he genuinely turns his life around and he's the uh, somebody that God wants to be his tool? Are we going to receive him or are we going to look at him out of the side of our eye? Because he used to be this. What if it's somebody living a certain lifestyle that you don't like, that you think is offending God, and maybe is. But what if they meet Jesus in a a life-changing way, and they show up? Are we going to wrap our arms around them and say, brother or sister, welcome home? Is that going to be us? Is that who we're going to be? I think that's the way God wants us to be. I think that's how we bring the gospel in a world that's full of, of hate, that's how we bring the gospel, this truth, in the world full of opinions. Let people have their opinions. Stand in the truth. Love people even if they sin. Right? God doesn't say to judge people. He says to love people. So as we think about this gospel message, right? These are some things that we can look at name character and obedience three things that are necessary your name your character and your level of obedience to God if you're going to walk around and say you are a Christian you are using our Savior's name and it needs to match his character make sense we talked about in our Bible study this morning obedience in reference to surrendering to the Holy Spirit and his work in your life so that we can be the kind of people that Ananias was that Ezekiel was and that Paul was and that we would flee from any inclination to present the Christian life in a way that looks like Jonah's life or at least Jonah's life in that moment Make sense? If we're going to go and make disciples, that's what it's about. If we're going to bring the gospel into a world that's not ready for it or don't want it or looking to reject it, persecuting, we need to be ready to love people no matter what. If you're going to use Jesus' name, be prepared to let him live your life. We're going to sing now. If you don't know the Lord is your Savior, if you haven't surrendered to him, Real easy. If you really believe that he's a Christ. If you're convicted. Just tell the Lord I don't want to live that way anymore. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Let's stand together and sing.